So quite often you, when his meditation practice is uh, classified between samatha, which is termed calm, and vipassana, which is termed insight, and um, you can come to the conclusion that you either do calm or you do insight. Um, and depending you know which which one you favor, then you know one can consider if you favor tend towards calm, then insight can seem to be just um intellectual philosophical you know mental agitation <laughs> and if you favor insight, then calm can seem to be stupefying uh you know, sort of dulling of the mind. This is unfortunate, <laughs> since these are these are both um, terms referred to by the Buddha as furthering, and essentially they're not used that much. Actually, they're not that often used. So, so we seem to have made a bigger thing out of this than is really necessary, with some unfortunate results. Because you, know, you wonder how calm should I keep before I practice insight? Do you need any degree of calm before you practice insight? And so on. And the Buddha doesn't really mention these terms that often. Particularly insight with Pasana occurs maybe, the word occurs perhaps 10 times in the 12,000 suttas of the, of the Pitaka. So it's, it's not a big thing. What is more often termed is panya, discernment, liberation through is through citta and liberation through discernment. So liberation through citta is primarily the easing and the release of the energies, the tensions, the the slackness, the lost qualities of citta. You know, when it go when we go out one way or another, it's kind of healing that so the citta becomes more steady, calm, expansive, um, agile, flexible, and so on. It's not a, it's not a stupefaction or, or um, making something rigid, you know, but actually making it flexible, pliable, healthy. Liberation of citta from the residues, from mistrust, which, which so these residues are often not that glaringly obvious, otherwise they wouldn't be residual, one would have dealt with them. But they're often residual in terms of the ways in which I try to corner a piece of territory and have it for me. You know, how, whatever that territory is, we come meditative territory and so forth. Or the ways in which I kind of definitely want to push away from and I don't want to have to touch into some kinds of, of qualities and energy. So you get these these, these, as I was saying yesterday, you get these kind of residual designation impressions, which are, in a way, precede the script, and glazes. So we may be looking or seeing things with a, through the glaze of fundamental anxiety, which is not because it's low grade. It's not that dominant. It's not you're having seizures or panic attacks. Just that. Sort of a vague sense of 
is this, is this, I don't really, am I, am I, you know, a kind of hovering quality. Or the uh, 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 subdued sense of acquisition. Uh, get my bit, uh, have a good session, you know, carve out a piece of space for me. And I can thoroughly sympathize with these inclinations. <laughs> But they are, they are stressful, that's the point. It's not that they're wrong, just that they are stressful. If one could dismantle these, that would certainly be a, a relief, wouldn't it? Mm. <coughs> so there's an energetic quality of that where maybe you know, we can actually feel into some of that, that nervousness or that itchiness and just relax, just be present. You, know, you don't have to get anything, you don't have to shun anything, you know, these kind of qualities. Which naturally becomes a lot more possible the less heavy stuff is rumbling around. You know, when you've got a bunch of wild elephants running through your brain, it's difficult to really be that kind of you know, easygoing and flexible about it all. <laughs> so certainly some sense of, of a bit of gardening is necessary in there. I don't really see that as kind of spiritual narcissism, just to want to feel vaguely okay. (laughs) So then the other kind of release is the release through discernment, or panya, uh, which means that one is also clearer that whatever occurs, whatever happens, cannot be held cannot be grasped, cannot form a conclusive pattern I could call myself or mine or me. Whatever happens, for good or bad, cannot actually form a lasting, conclusive pattern. This is what anicca and anatta mean, you know, using a different way of describing them. (coughs) So, because things, forms are essentially... Fundamentally, absolutely fundamentally impermanent. They, because they are energetic, they are dynamic. They're not lumps that suddenly come flashing into consciousness. They're, they're, they're energies that build up, are like magnetic fields and and form rather swiftly, of course, into seemingly substantial qualities or moods that we then fixate upon and make even more rigid by our efforts to push them away or efforts to hang on to them, or fix them, or analyze them, or something. So that these energetics attract more of this accumulative energies, and the whole thing is, is really, you know, forms, or is formed, driven by, and reinstates the sense of me. Me who has all this stuff happening to me, or me who's getting all this stuff going, or me who can't manage this stuff. Mm. or me who's watching this stuff. So this is when this process of crystallization is, is called becoming, bhava. Bhava or existence or being, the terms are not that satisfactory or permanent. <laughs> uh, so this is the, we're coming to the end of the formulation of Dependent origination, which you've touched into in a few places in this retreat. Just a little bit at a time, you know. 
unknowing, a vijja, dependent upon that is the sankara, dependent on that consciousness gets formed through those energies. Uh, consciousness gives rise to um, a subject, object, a name and a form, uh, which works through contact impressions. And, and then you get naturally uh, feeling, desire, clinging, then becoming. So the, the craving is the reaching out, you know, either reach, which is a extension to push away or to grab hold of. There's a craving for things not to exist. So there's a kind of reaching into. The clinging is, I've got it. Yeah. And as, you, as, it, as it's got, as it's apprehended, then the, the, it's rather like crystallization begins or, or moves, into, moves into finality becoming, there's me and it, uh, and so forth. So then becoming is the process that leads to birth, formation of entityhood, and birth leads to death, and so forth. So becoming, Mm. becoming means uh, things form into, into formations, into Formations that, that we that give rise to the impression of somebody who's having them, or somebody who is them, or somebody who you know could have, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the liberation through through insight or through discernment is through reviewing this whole process, and you never never actually become anything. You were always, you know assuming we've become something or being about to become something or remembering something we have become wishing we hadn't become it wanted to become something else (laughs) but right now you're not becoming anything (laughs) yeah But the the uh, you know which one made one kind of gets a moment when oh, oh yeah and how long then it, something happens something starts moving again because we are in, in this experience of the life energies you have these these um, as I said this patterning through which energies flow the body patterning the heart patterning and the mind patterning so even if you check them briefly like there's nothing to do nothing to become no no maybe for a moment you get that kind of oh and this this energy starts building up to oh, that's a good idea well I really got that <laughs> you know or, or something of that nature because it's like you, one checks the may st- check the stream but then you still have this kind of formative energy you know, which wants to take some kind of form which is built which is based upon taking some kind of form so the, the deeper liberation occurs through being able to understand, you know, get a feeling for how energies move and how they can be uh, expanded, released with this uh, an insight or panya and insight give, gives us the, almost the focal point 
you get to that particular bit there. Yeah. So it's rather like you massage the the energies open, so they're no longer so clunky and heavy and and constricted. You kind of open it up, and then then all this stuff is look get to that particular bit. How that bit happens. Don't you know? Don't worry about it. Just get to the bit of how it happens, how that 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 takes place. You notice then that the becoming is always an about to be experience, and not quite yet, but about to be. It's this so. And it's the qualities of um, trust and ease and relaxation that you, that you build up through cultivation of calm that allows one to, that space to just be left open. And then the, the qualities, energies of mind, energies of being, form into a kind of uh, uh, a radiance, you might say. Radiant sensitivity, radiant presence. So there's still those life energies are still there. So this is where the Buddha di- distinguishes between between either a complete extinction, which you might kind of you know deduce from some of the language of the of the translations in the scriptures. You know, we're looking for a complete extinction. Which on a certain bad night sounds like a good idea. <laughs> if only it worked. <laughs> or, you know, or, or eternal bliss. It sounds an even better idea, probably less possible, but... <laughs> But so it's, it's neither of those. Essentially, it's not. It's not a particular pattern. It's called the unpatterned or the unconditioned that release. So that it doesn't actually take form. It's just this continual kind of quality of openness, in which forms can can be taken up. You know, so the, the Buddha obviously manifested in form, spoke, thought, responded, considered. You know, got hungry, did something about it. Wasn't out there in some kind of, you know, void throughout his life. But the sense in which what has occurred, what has occurred on the manifest level, that which we could actually talk about, you know, and consider, is that there isn't the, the compulsion, the habit, the binding, the reflex, the the jumping into. Mm. So there's the clinging compulsiveness of becoming the clinging is eradicated uh, and this is lovely saying uh, one of the suttas when the Buddha talks about these incredibly refined states right up to the from the levels of calm or so forth that we might be able to drop into right up to these refined levels of neither perception or non-perception it's difficult even to understand what that means. The imperturbable. And he's saying this is the best kind of clinging. 
You know, if you want to cling to anything, you know, don't bother with the level of soap and cheese and cornflakes. <laughs> or even the level of beliefs and views and theories. You know, this is the, if you really want some good stuff, this is, this is the best. It's the longest lasting, it's the most satisfying. And, but, then there's the but. <laughs> the uh, liberation of the mind is through the complete relinquishment of all clinging. Uh, you know, which is kind of lovely, simple, and it's beautiful when one reads the sutta because you kind of think, wow, wow, well, that's good, wow, amazing, well, look at that, you really get in places. You build up to this kind of apparent climax, and he says, yeah, but actually, <laughs> the main thing is letting go. You go, oh. <laughs> yeah. So this, this is, can occur at less, much less refined levels, obviously. What I'm saying is that, that uh, the processes of, of view, of clarity of view, of, of the, the clarity that comes through witnessing particular adhesive, clinging, self-patterning and releasing it and the process of just calming and feeling okay can be understood as, as a model through whatever level of samadhi or even non-samadhi you're in. Mm. So samadhi is not samatha or vipassana, it's just the, it's just the territory, just the place that um, has, has a different degrees to it. And even feeling relatively calm and okay and just witnessing the restlessness, the agitation of the mind, and just considering, what am I, what am I trying to, what is about to be? What is about to happen? What, is, what am I preparing for? Nothing's about to be, really. This is what's happening now, is this kind of, <laughs> you know, that, that's, what's, that's what you can know. Now, things, of course, do occur, but what we probably begin to recognize is the more, is that many of them don't. And the more balanced we are in the present moment, the more we're able to properly attend to and manage what does arise. So this, this huge culture of fear, defense, craving, anticipation, what we call progress, in fact, <laughs> you know, can, can be released from the, the, the tensions and the demands of that. Yeah. Essentially, you know, we have this form, this, this uh, bodily form, and it lasts for so many years, and it gradually degenerates and dies, and passes away. This is all that happens on one level, you know. So this, this is what happens. It's happening now. We're all, you know, something's coming into being and we're all dying a little bit. This is what's happening. And it's okay, actually. Mm. But I can certainly worry about it. 
I remember, you know, when I was going to nursery school, you know, four years old. I was terrified of going to school because I'm sure that they, if I didn't know my eight times table, I would be mercilessly punished. You know. So I was kind of dragged to school, screaming and howling, you know, preparing for the worst, be cross-examined by these huge, towering, intimidating teachers who would catch me at my weak points, <laughs> humiliate me and brutalize me. And they just kind of welcomed me and said, oh, here's some putty, have play with the putty, play with the clay. And, you know, learn to, learn. oh, this is great, just kind of goof around. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't happen, you know. They did. <laughs> so all these preparations, uh, you know, I could see that, that uh, by the time I was 16, they did want to know what eight eights were about. <laughs> <laughs> So there was a kind of slow waking up, but (laughs) (laughs) by that time I I could manage that. (laughs) So the sense of, um, you know, the the kind of anxieties that one can go through is a kind of Con, a con, uh, you know, designation pattern that gets established. You know, I don't know exactly why, but you have this, these kind of patternings of contact where one sees things through a sense of, oh dear, am I ready? Is this going to happen? I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know? Or, I guess, reaching out. Let's get the next one. Mm-hmm. So this steadying this, there's nothing that's going to be, nothing is going to happen. <laughs> Apart from that particular, this is the only bit that we really feel. This bit, this kind of push, this this holding back. And that's that's the basis of it. And things based upon those impressions, the mind will certainly form things that could happen, things that should happen, things you don't want to happen, things that might happen, things that everybody else is ha- getting things that I'm not getting, things that I'll never be able to do, things that I can't live without, things that, you know, it will make all those. We've got all the, the tools, this wonderful mind, to, to do this. And I'm sure we're all quite polished in our craftsmanship on that. And so naturally, we, you know, we do. But then you, you, do, you, know, you, you find something, you get something, you avoid something. How, how good is it now? So you, you didn't get, you know, beaten up, bashed, whatever it was, humiliated. Are you okay now? No, because there's still the possibility that in the future. <laughs> of course there is. <laughs> you know. So it, it, there isn't an end to it through that. And then it's a matter of beginning to to. See, well, what what would what's the can one actually release some of this extremely meaningful stuff that is is uh, perhaps low grade? It's not jumping up and down. It's a kind of background uh, coloring, tint, taint, tints and taints, um, 
towards being something, becoming something, or towards not being something, not becoming something. These are the primary uh, tints that uh, and taints the Buddha said we that we need to come out of. So that finding a base in the present where we can begin to relax some of that. However, wherever we, whatever kind of level of consciousness we're working on. So even in the sense of, well, now we're Friday, it's the end of the retreat, I wonder, then can I cram as much as I can into the next day? (laughs) Or so, as I walk out with all the, you know, all that I could possibly get out of it. Uh, you know, all the answers, all the truths. <laughs> you know, it's the, the, how to how to turn you know retreat into something that that is more tainted and unfulfilling. Oh, and, oh my goodness! Weekend, Monday, I'm back to work. Oh, jeez, do about that, you know. <laughs> so this is what we can come into. Maybe when we started, it was just letting go one lot, and then we perhaps we sort of stable stabilized, and then we can start to move into the next next uh, pattern of be, of becoming. This requires, uh, you know, some some skill and time to open out. Contemplate, yeah. So when a particular mindset comes into being and, and, and crystallizes into being, just contemplate who you are then, who you are. Just contemplate who you are, because this is sometimes a, a clue. Yeah. So you get a certain train of thoughts, and who's thinking them? We can't, okay, we come up with a nice idea, nobody's thinking, and they're just thoughts, empty thoughts, rolling on in, in boundless void. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why does boundless void produce thoughts then? <laughs> so, what what's happening, you know, so you get a sense of, you know, certain pattern of thoughts come up, sign up some bodily tension, a little bit of bodily tension or some shifting. And then, if you like, it's relating to the emotively tuning in. My goodness, there she is again, that desperate little girl. Yeah, she's still, she's still there, you know. There, she, there he is again, the one who nobody ever listened to. There he's still there, five years old. You know, you can actually feel him. Still going, you know, or or whatever, you know. And <laughs> you, you kind of get the when you really sort of tune into to who's who's behind the thought. There's this whole, you know, screenplay of of, of personae that have st- uh, some of them are 
are quite old, and they're, they're still they're still in there, ready to go. And you know, we slip right back into role because we know that place. So we, we've done that act. We can do it again. We're, 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 we've probably done that act a thousand times. So here we go again, back into poor me or you know whatever it is. There we are again, you know, complete with a script. We know the lines by heart by now, script, and then we move out and start acting it. And the theatre obediently forms around that particular piece of play. This is called birth. And, you know, the the thing to at least conceptually remember is this is where you're going next time. <laughs> you, don't, you don't move out of this one. <laughs> Got another lifetime on this one. Would it be nice to let some of these creatures go? You know, say, thanks, great, great scene, great acting. Enough now, yeah. <laughs> you can retire. <laughs> so this, this is what an attire is. It's a kind of deep retirement policy. Well, you don't have to go into that one again. You know, you can feel because it's so familiar and so easy, and the, the words are right there for you, and the emotional tones perfect. So you just slip right in there, and uh, you know, tired, just tired, enough. You know, and then so you can you can't argue with this because it knows all the arguments. Can't bully it. It knows how to resist that can't placate it, it sees through that. (laughs) Instead, you you kind of meet that, is what I'm suggesting. You can almost meet yourselves in the tightness, in the fluster, in the sinking, in the wanting, in the whatever it is, meeting yourself energetically. And there's, there's nothing... You have to be here, nothing to become, nothing to get rid of, just to, just to be with this one. So actually the point of becoming is it only occurs if, you, if you've got a time, in other words, if you can get it moving, if you just hold it in stillness, it starts to fall apart. Because it depends upon a certain galvanizing of energy and momentum that demands action don't necessarily in physical action, it demands a script. It needs it needs lines, it needs words, it needs images, it needs scenarios. That's what it always conjures up, isn't it? Always conjures them up. It needs those. If you say, you know, put aside the scenarios, I just really want to feel who you are right now. You can be quiet. I, I I've heard you. I just feel how you are, who you are. It doesn't know what to do. You're breathing in, breathing out, really wanting to be with that one. It starts to kind of melt because it hasn't got the resistance that it needs. hasn't got you fighting it. hasn't got you believing in it. So it can't actually get going. The clinging that uh, can relaxes and the form dissolves. It's important not to want it to dissolve. 
It's, it's, it's a matter of... Because actually, you, there's no way in you which you can release anything. If, you, if you're trying to release something, all you're doing is going into trying. You, you can't release anything. You can give up the pattern by which you're trying to release something. You can recognize how you're trying to solve or release something and give up. And then release happens. Release is a, is a, a non-self experience. It's not done by anybody. It can't be done by anybody. All it can be done by somebody is transpose one pattern for another pattern. So this sense of giving up doesn't have to be a despair giving up, it can be giving up of de- through devotion, just surrender, you know, whatever will be, will be that kind of quality, uh, joy, uh, love, compassion. These are in some ways in which we, we give up, because what we're giving up is often also uh, a main theme in the Buddha's teaching, is the three basis from which all unskillfulness stems, ill will, cruelty, and uh, fixation, sensual fixation. Fixation, in other words, the the wish to hold on to something, have something, uh, acquire something. Mm. So the, the, the giving up of that is the, on any level, is through the cultivation of Kindness or non-ill will. May this be well. This frightened little being I've just found may be well. You know, please stay here as long as you like. <laughs> Non-cruelty, not you know, slap, 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 snap out of it, kid. You know, you disgust me. That kind of thing. Non-cruelty, compassion for the the hurt or the lostness that brings that into play. So, and then renunciation or relinquishment, which is uh, the, uh, comes through a real uh, f- uh, growing uh, understanding and penetration that the deepest joy comes from just cleaning and letting go. It's like the textures of the mind come relax and is very deeply and quietly joyful. So renunciation is, is never a surgical experience. It's uh, it, it's that you know, in the, the 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 holding, the clinging that is tense. What if I dared to let go without asking myself to do it, without saying I should do it? But what would it be like if that wasn't there? It'd be all right, okay. Because one day it's not going to be there. So why don't I just play with it now? What would it be like to be without it for a moment? Oh, it's all right. Yeah. And then the, the quality of all of of that release itself is is a joyful quality. So. Renunciation is the most difficult one for human beings. Hardly um, 
headline news, is it? You know, develop renunciation today, the Daily Star. <laughs> Twelve guided steps to complete renunciation of all pleasure. Guess how many people will buy that program? <laughs> so it only becomes possible as a kind of, you know, we experiment because we feel some of the heat and the tangledness of holding on. Like, oh, why they just, you know, and then, hey, it's all right. I noticed this, um, I was practicing this when I go through the, um, do a lot of, practice with food in monastic life because it's all, all of the sensory fixation can only really kind of land on, on food, sweets, drinks, maybe robes, you know, <laughs> with a bit of pushing, you know, you can, you know, get a bit fixated on the color or the texture or the, of your robe, it's difficult to do. <laughs> <laughs> but it is possible when there's nothing else <laughs> so the food is always uh, possible because uh, you, you do get hungry and the body does need food so you get that kind of oh, pulling into it uh, and so this is always a kind of hinge point in monastic practice because there you are your arms mendicant you only get it when people give it to you you only get it one time a day not whenever you feel like it so it's this Quite can be quite a crucial time <laughs> of the day. <laughs> uh, you know, it's about to happen. It's about to be. You know, <laughs> let's get in there. Uh, so we, we have two ways of of gathering food. One is just walking along and having people put food in the bowl which is interesting. <laughs> and then the other one is you can go along, you can have this kind of uh, help yourself style where you go along and just take what bits of food you need. So you have that style, which is also interesting. Because uh, when you do it yourself, you know, and you think, oh, just a bit of that, just a bit of this, oh, a bit of that, oh, I need that for my health, I need that for my bones. <laughs> That tastes good. I wouldn't want to turn that aside in case I offended somebody. Um, <laughs> well, one of those would be good. You don't get those every day, and that's kind of fun. <laughs> and, you know, you have to have some enjoyment in life. So when you get back to your box, you think, wow. <laughs> Who put all this food in my bowl? <laughs> Because whoever, whoever did, they're not there anymore. You know, they, it's a different person. The time you get down, you get down, you sit, sit down, you kind of become a committed, firm renunciant again. <laughs> think, wow, who put all this? This bowl is nearly full, you know. <laughs> I'm going to die if I eat this. So you think, tomorrow, 
this is going to be different. <laughs> We're going to grip on this tomorrow. <laughs> but by the next day, that, that person is gone. <laughs> the firm committed renunciate has gone again. There's somebody else in the kitchen who thinks, well, one of those is useful and you do need that. <laughs> so, this is quite a basis of, of practice. It's, it's nice to be able to practice at this level where you can actually, you know, it's not super refined, but it's certainly meaningful. And I notice, you know, as I come towards something that was that looked that gave me a feeling of pleasure. You know, first of all, it's just something that's happening in my through my eyes. You know, it's not actually, I'm not actually tasting it, so I'm looking at this thing. It triggers off a particular impression, which is kind of, you know, sweet, tasty, um, nourishing. You know, all these kind of meanings come rushing in, and then I'm well, going to have it. Going to have it. <laughs> Do you need it or not? You have to have tasty, nourishing, rich, sustaining, delicious, whatever it is. And those are just What's that? You know, where's that? You know, uh, not to say there isn't, but but there's not a qu- there's not a, a quantitative measure on that. It doesn't say well, you know, half a spoon of this once every three days is enough. It says get as much as this as you can. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't have measurements on it. That sort of bl- blind movement. And so I can actually find myself stopping and hovering at that point. God, this is painful, you know. Push this, you know, slavering dog (laughs) experience. And so we're just, just, can I, what about if I just, you know, I might be able to survive another 24 hours without this, you know. (laughs) Possibly, you know, it's a possibility. Just move aside and walk on. You know, I feel okay. <laughs> Not getting what I want, I feel okay because now it's a different person. You know, the slavering dog disappeared, and there's somebody else there now who's walking along, fine, holding his bowl, sun is shining, whatever. You know, it's a different being. Yeah, I feel all right. I was I was doing all right before that 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 uh, food arrived. I was all right. I was okay. And now I'm okay after it. You know what was the what was the bit? You know. And it was all the the, poss- the extended possibilities of, you know, your bones are going to fall apart if you don't get one of these, or uh, this will make this is really good for you, or make you feel happy, or bright, or so forth. There's all those suggestions suddenly welled up uh, about what one could be or might be or might not be dependent upon this particular piece of sense contact. And just to say, well, you know, can I get to the truth of this? It's not that I don't need any food at all, but can I actually, you know, filter out some of this lurching and retracting experiences? Sometimes we've had um, 
people in monastic life experience suffering from anorexia, which is a different thing, where everything is somehow threatening, you know. And then actually having people put food in the bowl, you walk along, people give you food, you know, because anorexic finds it difficult to actually feed themselves. There's some, you know, distress about that. Uh, actually allowing someone to, to feed, you know, to put food in the bowl. And just to kind of come through some of that experience. So it's in, interesting to n- notice if people experiencing that kind of problem have actually been able to come through that just because fundamentally you may not want the food but you can't resist the kindness. You know, so you can't resist the, the generosity and the sharing. So, you know, you can accept it and then maybe you can even eat it. You know, which is lovely. Because that's the main thing one begins to when you come out of the the food contact, you get the you come into the dana experience. This is this is generosity and kindness, and that itself is so uplifting that the other thing kind of pales. So you can also shift what you contact, you see, from immediate sense contact to other levels of experience. Of course, if you if you don't have an anorexic condition, and you go through the line of people putting food in the bowl, and it's, you know, she's a bit stingy, or you know, some some of those people that you get in the monastery, you get maybe these big dhanas where people come, and there's maybe ten different or twenty even different bowls of food there, and you're walking, oh my goodness, how can you get through this, and then. Somebody lumps one load of food and you didn't think that wasn't the kind of food you like. Then they forget to put in the bowl the one particular dish you had your eye on. <laughs> you know. <laughs> that was, you know, and they forget they sort of pass over that one in the flurry. And, um, <coughs> and you know. <laughs> so you kind of get this strange, strange experience. Of the, of, uh, uh, and then eventually come in, look, I'm all right, okay, you know, I'm all right. <laughs> I'll live another day, you know, people were, were well-meaning and generous and maybe they weren't entirely collected or we couldn't read my mind, but they were, they meant well, <laughs> I'm okay, you know. And so you, you kind of come through some of the, the ways in which the, the mind crystallizes around particular forms of contact. It's, so contact occurs in two parts in dependent origination. One is the obvious one, which is the immediate sense contact. And the other is the background contact, which is the heart impression of anxiety or, or craving or ill will, you know, these kinds of things. So you begin to see underneath the the immediate topic, these kind of more fundamental things. A renunciation certainly th- is a very good process for throwing up anxiety, you know, bringing out whatever anxiety there is about, will I, you know, get what I want, what I need, because it's, it's supposed to be radically um, insecure. And this is very difficult for human beings, ra- very radical insecurity. 
or insta- uh, impermanence, which is a little more comfortable a term. <coughs> now, when we practice meditation, one of the possibilities, when we, if we are able to, if the samadhi can deepen, is that there's a kind of melting of forms, because the the sense of the mind being separate from the body, you know, mentally watching something begins to dissolve and instead there's a sense of a participation in a kind of a, an energetic experience that is, is not that, doesn't have distinct form to it. It's mostly joyful. It may have subtle forms such as uh, mood forms, such as joy, ease. It can be have the impression of rhythm to it or it could have brightness. So there's the subtle forms. Um, so this is a, when the mind comes into samadhi, the breath Breathing itself becomes less a matter of, you know, breath as a material thing, and more like being breathed by this uh, enjoyable experience, or experience which is which is more more subtle form. Um, so it's not like you're standing back somewhere watching something else happen which is one way in which we can imagine impermanence. Difficulty with this, even though it has validity to it, is that there's a certain crystallization of the watcher. You know, that particular pattern starts to crystallize, and it, it can carry with it um, certain qualities of distancing, uh, um, separation, um, self-view. You know, I am the watcher. And does it, you feel some of the uh, intensity for being something crystallize around that? So we can get quite tetchy and, and, and about being able to keep wa- you know watching things. So things can only happen at a certain speed, a certain pace, as I can watch and and not and so forth, so forth. So certain kind of unwholesome qualities can occur around that. I think for myself, one of the most, um, you know, edgy things is just to be able to dissolve into experience, to just trust it. It's rather like jumping into the swimming pool rather than standing on the edge of it, figuring out how deep it is and the water and the nature of water and so forth, just knowing it like a fish does. Uh, Because there's a whole loss of... um, what I am, or what I sense myself as being, which is the ability to stand back and think something through. So, so for myself, you know, the, the movement into samadhi is a, a is a very useful one, and one that's accompanied by a kind of relinquishments of the wish to know, to understand, to to make anything happen. You know, just to sort of surrender to to flows and energies and, and, and sensations, which only occurs as they become more pleasing. And that's that's the whole sense of, of what samatha does in samadhi. When you look into the Anapanasati Sutta, you see that there is a graduated process in that, and it, it comes to its conclusion conclusion in this refrain on contemplating impermanence, contemplating 
fading or dispassion, contemplating ending, and contemplating relinquishment. These are often understood to be the the insight um, processes that occur in a, a number of suttas, slightly different wording, but uh, where it becomes um, detachment, dispassion, cessation, relinquishment, this sequence, a deepening sense of that. And really this is about you know, impermanence and non-attachment are really two aspects of the, of the same thing. And it's the, it's the release into the flow of experience, release into the changing of it, a release into the insubstantial, the apparent groundlessness of experience. This is radical, radical impermanence. There's not somebody standing back watching it going on. There's a release into it, which is accompanied by uh, trust, joy, accompanied by strength, accompanied by clarity. And that's so the the experience has that within it. No, this is a, uh, and then this process ripens, as it said, ripens into a, a sense of quietness, and, and the energy is stabilised. And then relinquishment is this real giving up of about to be, mm. or could be, or where does this go, or how can I make it work, or am I am I there yet? That, that's the deepening relinquishment, which is the, the, the release of the substrate or the, the fundament of selfhood, or apparent selfhood, that is, this uh, attar experience, the cl- release of clinging, release of attachments. The complete... Uh, freedom of the mind through non-clinging. This is deathlessness, says the Buddha. In meditation, we, we may find ourselves moving along these pathways, but the, it also... At any level, it helps us to recognize what the obstacles are, what they feel like. And all I'm encouraging, specifically, because it's, it's relatively easy to get an underst- conceptual understanding of the teachings, is how to feel clinging, how to feel who is formed out of clinging. Now, it's not that I cling, but... Dependent on clinging, I arise. Uh, the, the I sense comes after the clinging. So the, you know, the slavering dog or the, the you know, the frustrated person or whatever it is comes out of the clinging. There's this contact, feeling, craving, clinging. Then I appear, but it, it kind of it moves quick, and then. You think, oh, I'm, I'm clinging again. How can I stop clinging? You, you can't stop clinging. <laughs> you, 
if you go back to trying to feel who it is that's clinging, who is that clinging? You know, who am I in that clinging mode? Actually, I don't need to be this anymore. Mm. It's all right to experience this, to, to have that, but I don't need to, to be this anymore. You know, think I'm all right without this. <laughs> I don't need this to defend me. I don't need this to prove me. I don't need this to justify me. This isn't going to satisfy me. You know, just enough. So that, that that's how you practice, however it manifests. The self-impression, clinging, becoming, it's like that. This talk was given by Ajahn Susito at Insight Meditation Society on April 29, 2005. It is an offering of 